The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along running under the lee of a small island called Kauda. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the citrus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo, and on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not set sail from Crete, and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who set sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But when we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven, being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors then suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for a day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. Let's pray. Father God, um, after you read through this passage, I pray you would show us what it is to weather a storm, whether it is to um, not be able to see the, the land ahead of us, but to have faith in you um, who will be there at the end of it. Uh, so God, as you jump into this passage, let us have hearts to uh, take in what you have. Um, let them be soft and not hard. Um, and let Randall speak truth. God, we thank you uh, for him and for uh, this group of people who will be learning with us uh, what you have for us today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Ricardo. All right. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Um, if it's your first time here, uh, welcome to Grace City. My name is Randall, I'm the pastor. And uh, again, thank you, Tim and Diana, for sharing this morning. Um, 
you know, one of the things that we wanted to do over this past month is be able to have different people within our church share about the different ways that God is, is working through them um, because um, we believe that we are a family on mission, uh, that God's doing great things all over and that we want to uh, be a part of that because that's what we see in the book of Acts. And so we've been studying the book of Acts for uh, a while now, and uh, we're right here at the end uh, talking about what it looks like to finish well. Uh, we've been looking at the life of Paul here, and as you've been journeying with us here, we've talked about how this is the sufferings of Paul. The last section of Paul's life is uh, suffering after suffering after suffering. Um, and so again, how does Paul finish well in the midst of that? Well, our text today is from Acts 27. We're looking at verses 13 through 36. And the message today is weathering the storm. Weathering the storm. Today's text, we see that Paul, uh, along with some companions, are in the midst of a storm. And so how uh, do they survive? Just watched a movie recently um, that came out in 2016. It's a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. Um, it's this inspiring true story of World War II combat medic uh, Desmond Doss. And during his training, uh, he decided that he would uh, not carry a gun. Um, it was something that, uh, from an experience that he had in childhood, that he, he just committed uh, and believed that God said, I, I'm not supposed to carry a gun. And so he was labeled during his training as a coward, and, and it was a, a very difficult time for him uh, during that training, to the point where um, he could have been uh, arrested for it. Uh, but with his conviction, he held tightly to it, and he says, um, I'm not going to carry a gun, but I'm going to carry a Bible. And so uh, it's... A true story of, of, of his life. And uh, there's a scene during the movie um, where they're about to go to the ridge. And you can see the ridge uh, on the, 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 uh, the island of, of Okinawa there. Uh, where all of this battle was going on, there's this, this dark storm of explosions and, and screams and gunfire happening. And uh, Desmond, along with his battalion, walked into this uh, chaos. And many of them were either wounded or killed. And as uh, this scene happens where it's now night and the battle has uh, ceased for the evening, he could hear the screams and the cries of his fellow soldiers um, and just the, the carnage of war. And so as a, as a Christian, he prayed, Lord, help me get one more. Help me save one more. And so over that night, as he stayed on the ridge, he saved over 75 lives. As we've studied the book of Acts, the apostle Paul has endured storm after storm after storm, physical pain, rejection, imprisonment, near-death encounters, all with this similar prayer. Lord, help me to save one more. Help me, Lord. In Acts 26, 29, we looked at last week, he, he prayed, he says, I pray to God, all who are listening to, to me today may become what I am. What does Paul mean? Paul had been radically changed by the power of the gospel. 
See, Jesus has, has changed his life, and, and the hope that he had was that many more would be, come into a saving relationship with God, that they might experience the grace that he had experienced on his life. See, and for Paul, what we've seen is this is a life and death situation for him. So our text is from Acts 27, verses 13 through 36. And last week, we looked at Acts 26, and, and Paul pleading his case before King Agrippa and Festus. And now Paul is on his way to Rome to stand before Caesar, uh, which at the time is Nero. Now, if you just Google Nero, you, you would uh, find that Nero was um, not kind to Christians, uh, but very opposed to Christians. And so that's the one that Paul is, is going to be standing before. But before that, Paul is enduring this journey, um, which is this difficult journey that he's on. Um, but throughout the journey, God speaks to him at different points. In Acts 23, verse 11, God told Paul that he would go to Rome. And so we looked at that in Acts 23. And so we see that now it's starting to happen. Paul is on his way to Rome. But the storm hits. And what we see is that they start to lose hope that they would make it to Rome. But yet again, God's voice comes in and, and is that navigating voice and, and guidance through the storm for Paul and also for his companions. Just to give a little background here, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And, and throughout this section, um, we see that different parts of the book of Acts, he'll say, us or we. And so this is one of those sections where you can see it at the beginning there. He talks about us and our See, this is a real story about a near-death experience they all had. This is not an allegory. It really happened. And there are things that Luke is telling us that are real-life situations that actually can apply as an allegory to the real-life difficulties that we face in our life. See, Luke here is, is leaning into his Hellenistic Greek side here as he's telling this story because what we find is you have to ask, like, why is this section in, in Acts 27 so important and why is it so drawn out? Why do we get so many details? Well, what we find is that this shipwreck story, this storm story is pointing to something more than just that. See, in Greek, Greek literature, um, there, there was uh, stories that, that were filled with shipwrecks and voyages. And so there's this quote here um, from Pastor Tim Keller. He says, Greek literature was filled with stories of shipwrecks, voyages. In the Greek imagination, the voyage was a metaphor for, the li for your life's journey. And a storm was a metaphor for the evil and suffering and tragedies that come upon us. How you handle yourself in the storm is crucial to knowing who you are, to seeing what your character is, and to recognize to recognizing how we are going to address and navigate life itself. See, as we look at this real life situation for Paul, what we see is that there's also real life application for us on how we can navigate storms within life. Because if we're honest, many of us have faced or are in the middle of a storm right now. And we're asking, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to navigate this? Because for some of us, it paralyzes us. 
For others of us, we say, well, I got to get my planning together, but what do we do when we're Christians? As believers in God, what does it look like for a Christian to navigate this? See, this shipwreck uh, narrative can help us in understanding how God works, how our choices matter, and how to navigate the storms of life. So the question is, what can we learn from Paul about weathering the storm? What can we learn from Paul about weathering the storm? So there's three things that we see in today's text, and I'll give you all three up front. The first one is face the storm. Number two is endure the storm. And number three is above the storm. Okay, face the storm, endure the storm, above the storm. So the first one is face the storm. Look at verses 20 through 26. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, see the us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they have been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. What's happening here? Well, first, there was a hopelessness that have, have come over the, 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 the sailors and the soldiers on this ship. Verse 20 says that all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. It's that moment where you feel like there's no way out of this situation. I'm too far deep. There's no answers. There's no light. I'm just stuck in the dark. They're hopeless. It says when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. See, what we see here is there is a, a hopelessness that is, has come over this, this, this ship of, 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 of sailors and soldiers, and, and they've, they've given up. They say, this is the end. Have you ever had those moments before where you thought to yourself, this is the end of the story, it's finished, it's over, I'm going to throw in the towel. That's where they're at. And so next, it says that uh, Paul stands up and talks with them. In verse 21, here's what he says to them. Man, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. See, they didn't just find themselves in this situation by not getting any advice. But, but Paul had made a suggestion earlier in Acts 27, verses 9 and 10. And what he had said is that if we take this route in which you are going right now, we are going to, to take on some injury and some loss. And so Paul had already talked to them before, and he says, I suggest to you that you should change your plans. Now, Paul had traveled many miles, had many voyages over land and sea, and at this point he was an experienced traveler and so 
Paul had suggested, he says, I don't know if this is the wisest thing to do. He's reminding them of the suggestion he made and, and really the reality that they were now living in. Like they didn't just end up there, but he had suggested something that they didn't take his advice on. And what happens when you get into a situation and maybe people have warned you about it and they say, I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but you find yourself in this moment. They felt abandoned, they felt lost, they felt regret. See, it's that moment where you start to feel like, man, I shouldn't have done that. What if I would have done this or that? I mean, how many of us have lived in that type of what if? But Paul gets up and he speaks to them and he says, okay, here's where you're at. You haven't eaten for a few days, right? You're, 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 you're thinking about this. You, you feel that pit in your stomach. Why did I make that decision? We should have just listened to that Paul guy, right? Now we're here. But we see something that he says to him. He says this. He says it, it basically to face the storm. They, they can't get stuck in regret. Paul knows this. Paul knows this. He's like, okay, here's the situation. We're going to make it out of this. But you can't get stuck in the past. You can't get stuck in the regrets. You can't get stuck in any of those things that have happened before because this is where we're at and it's not a good situation, but here we are. You got to face the storm. What do we like to do sometimes? We like to get into a, a, a spiral where we don't want to face the reality that we're living in, right? It's just too much, and so I'm just going to avoid this. I'm not really going to lean into this. But basically, they, they had given up. It says they had they'd abandoned all hope. I was on a call recently with um, a guy named David Whitehead. He's, he's one of the trainers for City to City. Great man of God like just learned a lot from him and, and so one of the things he was saying recently is he's reading this book uh, called the anatomy of the soul and he talked about how um, this psychologist Christian um, counselor he was he in his book he was writing about this he, he basically said that what can happen in our lives is is that our past can shape how we view the future and so what he was saying, and he was teaching us this, was about like how like trauma from our past will shape our future with fear. But if we can start to see how God has worked in the past, then it can actually shape the way we see that God is working in the future. What can happen is we, get, we start to see only ourselves. We only see our regrets. We only see the things that have happened to us in the past. Then it, it starts to shape our future into hopelessness. But how if we start to see how God is still there in the midst of the messiness, in the midst of all the difficulties and the trials and all that stuff, we can start to see how God could be working in the future. And so what is Paul doing for them? Now this is a ship filled with around 270 plus Sailors, soldiers that are not believers. Paul's getting up and saying, hey, 
the God that I serve, the God that I worship, the God that I belong to, um, yeah, he's with us right now. And yeah, I've been through shipwrecks before, and we survived it then, and the same God that saved us then can save us now. And so he's giving them this word of hope. Verse 22, yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. See, what's Paul doing here? Man, you guys should have listened to me back then in verses 9 and 10, right? You should have listened to me. No. He's not beating it over their heads saying, why didn't you listen to me before? But he's saying there's hope for the future now. He's building them up. He's not tearing them down. He's encouraging them. He's not discouraging them. What's he teaching them? Grace. You know what the Bible teaches us about grace? Grace is that God treats us in ways that we don't deserve, even when we've made terrible decisions. God can cover our terrible decisions with his grace. He can meet us in our dark moments of feeling abandoned with his grace and his kindness. What does that mean? We don't deserve it. He's not teaching them karma. You know what karma is? I remember seeing a bumper sticker on the back of the car. It says, I saw that karma, right? Like it's to scare you and to make you filled with regrets about your past. And oh no, it's going to get me. Karma says you get what you deserve. And, And quite honestly, if I got everything I deserved, I would not like it. It would not be a good day. You know what I'm like? But by the grace of God, like Paul is coming in them and, and, and teaching these hardened sailors and soldiers about grace. About grace. See, to face the storm, they needed a word of grace. See, what we know in, 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 as a Christian, Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, condemnation is no hope. Condemnation means that there's no hope for the future. You are condemned. It's over. The gavel has been pounded. You're done. But Paul understood that when you're in Christ, there's a freedom that we have that there is no condemnation. See, for even some of us as Christians, we live in condemnation of the regrets of decisions we've made in the past the things that we've done. He's teaching them a new way. See, where did, where did this hope to face the storm come from? Verses 23 through 25, he says, for this night there stood before me an angel of God to show, or to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, man, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. Do you know what happened to false prophets in the Old Testament? They got stoned. Paul's taking a a risk here. He's taking a leap here, and he's saying, you know what? I believe that the God of the Bible is real, and I'm going to put it out there, and I'm going to say this is what's going to happen because God has come to me. But the thing that we need to understand is this. He says this, the God I belong and I worship. 
See, as he's talking to these non-believers, what he's telling them is this, that there's a God that they don't know about. And that this God is real and that they, this God is with them. Paul is sharing his faith in God. What's he telling them? That he says, I belong, I worship. And in this, hope comes for Paul when he knows that he's being held by God. When he knows that God still has a plan. And that when he knows that God is a God who speaks. See, they were going out to sea. And in many ways, they'd worshipped all types of gods. And do you know how their gods spoke? Through the, through the winds, through the waves, through carnage. They were in fear. But now, Paul's speaking about a God who comes to them and says, he's being held by this God? He belongs to him, right? Oh, and God, God's with me. I, I belong to him, like, but I worship him. And, and in the midst of this, in the storm right now, he already told me that I was going to get to the other side. He already told me I was going to get to Rome. I love that passage in Mark 4 where Jesus tells his disciples, he says, we're going to go to the other side. Get in the boat. You know what happens? They get in the boat and this storm starts to happen. And you remember what happened? You remember where Jesus was? He was sleeping. He was sleeping in the boat. And all his disciples who were very experienced watermen look at Jesus and they say, don't you even care about us? Jesus, wake up. Don't you care about us? And he looks at them and he's like, why do you have such little faith? Why would he say that? What did Jesus already say? You were going to get to the other side. <laughs> he didn't tell you the details that there was going to be a storm in the middle of it. He didn't tell you he was going to be taking a nap in the middle of it, but he did tell you he was gonna, you were going to get to the other side. See, but to face the storm, that's part of it. You got to face it. You got to face the realities of what's happening here. But secondly, it's endure the storm. Look at verses 27 through 32. When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, at about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land, so they uh, took a sounding and uh, found 20 fathoms. Uh, a little farther on, they, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms, and, and fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion of the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the, the ropes of the ship's uh, boat and let it go. Okay, so what's happening here? Well, they, this is, at this point, it's about two weeks at sea. They're at the, the uh, Sea of uh, Adria. And, and the sailors started to have this plan. What was their plan? They were going to bail from the ship. 
They were going to leave the ship, right? Uh, but remember, they had been promised by Paul that they would all survive. But then Paul says this in verse 31. We should be curious. Verse 31, Paul said to the centurion soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Okay, so we were going to be saved. Now we can't be saved. What's, what's happening here? Which is it? Are we going to survive or not? This helps us in understanding what enduring looks like. There's two parts. The first, we must understand God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. That God is there, that God still has a plan in the midst of us. God, God rules and reigns, right? This is God's sovereignty. But second, we must remember that our choices matter. Our choices matter. See, Paul, Paul is, is fully engaged in the moment and doesn't just say, well, God's got this. See you, sailors. You know, you guys have a good one. Um, God's got this from here. No, he understands that if they leave, everyone won't survive. How does this work? They won't endure. If they run, everybody's got to stay on the ship. You see, they're ultimately, uh, okay, so here's the thing. Many of us have trouble in our minds reconciling this, right? It's kind of like the Trinity, like God is one and three, and how does that come together? How do I hold this together? My mind's gonna explode, right? Like that, I just don't understand how this all works together, but it, it's true, it's true. And so the same thing is true in this, that Many of us have trouble, is it like, it's like one or the other, right? Like, it's either God's sovereignty, he's got this, or like, my choices are all that matters and all this stuff. And some of us say, well, I determine my own future, I create my own destiny. Some of us are, take our hands, Jesus, you got this, Jesus, take the wheel. You know what I mean? Like, and that's how some of us operate too. But the Bible pushes back on, on both of this type of thinking. See, it first tells us that, yes, God is the author. He's the creator. He's sovereign. He decides. He chooses. He has a plan, and his plan will not be thwarted. And what this should do is it should humble us. You see, there ultimately, there are things that you can't choose and I can't choose. I didn't choose which family I was born into. They definitely didn't choose me. Right? They just got me. And so uh, you didn't choose what part of the world you were born into. You didn't choose what part of history you were born. See, what this does, again, it just reminds us of God's grace. Like God. This is God. Everything we have is from God. But on the other hand, the Bible doesn't teach determinism. You know what determinism is? It's, it's like an ancient Greek mythology with Oedipus the king. It was basically said like Oedipus the king, uh, you know, this is what your destiny is going to be and he tried to avoid it as much as he could and then, you know what happened? He ends up having this destiny as much as he tried to make choices to avoid it. During this time in the Greek culture, there was uh, the Epicureans and the Stoics and they were always arguing about this, okay? Some believed everything was determined, your choices don't matter, Others believed that your choices is everything that matters and that's it. But what Paul is teaching us is that in Christ and in the Bible, it's all actually reconciled. 
See, Paul has no problem reconciling it. See, this narrative reminds us the reality of God's sovereignty, that God has a plan, but also that our decisions matter. And it works out exactly as God decides. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lab, but its every decision is from the Lord. And what this should do is help us if we feel like we're paralyzed or stuck. You got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. Right? God's there with you. He's going to give you the strength. But, but what's next? Verse 32, it says, Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. Okay, no more decision for, for the sailors anymore. Ships are gone. It's done. It's done. Because the last point is this, above the storm. Look at verses 33 through 36 and then verse 44. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to all take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. Verse 44, so it was that all were brought safely to land. Now, we see two different responses here. First, it was those on the ship, right? They, they still were discouraged. They still needed encouragement. And so um, they had not been eating because of the uncertainty and fear that they were in. And so at that point, so and, and for some of us, we, we get into that place too where we, we are just so anxious and fearful. This past week, I got to get out a little bit with my wife and we went, um, I, I just was like, hey, we gotta go get something to eat because these past like couple of months, actually a couple of years, have been pretty stressful. There's just been a lot that's come at us. It just feels like storm after storm after storm after storm. And she was like, I, I just don't know what to do. And I said, you know what we need to do? I'm going to go. I'm going to get you something that you want to eat, something that you like, your favorite place. We're going to pick that up, and you're going to eat, and we're going to talk, and we're going to pray. That's what we're going to do. And she felt better. See, for some of us, we're so, like, just... I don't know what's going to happen, just stuck in the uncertainty, the fear of all the things that, that, that the future holds. It's just like we don't eat. And so Paul is urging them, you got to eat. How is Paul so cool and composed in the storm? Well, ultimately, it's because of who knew that he was in the middle of the storm. As God looked down and everything that he was going through, God saw that Paul was in the storm. Because Paul knew this, and in, in, in verses 34 through 35, he, he like knew this, but he wanted them to know this as well. He says this, Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. It's pretty simple. 
But as he's doing this, he's, he's, he's showing them that God is above the storm, the difficulty of what they're doing as he's praying and thanking God for the bread that God had provided. The bread was there. But now Paul was saying God is the one who provided this. God, God is the one who's with us. Right? It's, it's, it's okay. See, in this moment, he's showing that, that he knows he's loved and that God is above these things. Because here's the thing. Only in Christianity can we see that God has lost his own son, that God has been through the difficulties and the trials and the storms of this world, that God has been rejected, that God has lost friends, that God has been the one who's endured violence. And so when we cry out to God, we can know that we, we serve a God who understands what it's like to not just be above the storm, but to go through the storm. God is a relational God who understands this. There was a secular therapist, a very famed therapist named Rollo May, and he wrote in his book, My Quest for Beauty, about a time when he had had a mental breakdown. And so he visited this Greek Orthodox monastery, and they were celebrating Easter. And as he was recovering from this nervous breakdown and and going and worshiping with them, um, during one of the services, at the height of the service, they were chanting, Christ is risen, Christ is risen. And even the therapist himself started to say, Christ is risen. At the moment, he didn't quite believe it or know if it was true, but here's what he says. He says, I was seized then by a moment of spiritual reality. What would it mean for our world if we had truly, if he had truly risen, if Christ had truly risen? He had been seized in his heart. What if this is true? And as these sailors, these hardened sailors and soldiers are listening to Paul say, hey, it's okay to eat. Let me pray for you. Could it be that in their heart they were seized with the reality that this God that Paul's talking about could be the God that is above this storm is actually going to get us through this. Verse 44 says, so it was that all were brought safely to land. Just some takeaways as we think about how this applies to us today. The first one I would encourage you with is admit the reality of the storm. See, the Bible gives us permission not to pretend and act like everything's okay when it's not. It also tells us not to to call things that are evil good or okay. Some of us have gone through devastating things. And to admit the storm and to admit the reality of it, we can bring that to God. And we can say, yes, it's real, it happened. See, many of us can't move forward because we're stuck in past regrets. But I want to encourage you today that God is above the storm and that he, we can bring those things to him. 
Second is this, determine to hold tightly to God. Determine to hold tightly to God. See, we see in scripture that God chooses us. He does. You didn't just get here today on your own. But there's a God who's calling after you. But there's also a decision that we must make to say, I need him. Today I choose him. Today I choose to pick up my cross and follow him. And what you're gonna find is that in the middle of that choosing of saying, Lord, I wanna be obedient to you, we're gonna see that God's goal for us is not always gonna be everything's perfect, everything's great, everything's falling perfectly into place the way I thought, but God is at work to do good in my heart and to make me more like him to make me more like him. See, suffering at the end of the day, what's the goal of suffering? When it's just suffering to suffer, who knows? But when we see that there's a God who loves us through it, the suffering, that there's a shaping that happens in us. See, what happened to Paul is Paul has been through so much in his life and up to this point, Even though the winds on the outside are blowing him, inside he's not being blown and tossed around. What did it say about us as believers? Are we easily tossed by the waves of what's going on around us? Or are we solid in the foundation of Christ, his word, and what he said to us? Charles Spurgeon once said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. What does that look like? Lastly, it's remember God's grip on you. Remember God's grip on you. Kurt Thompson once said, to this God whom we meet in Jesus, we must direct our attention if we are to know the healing of our shame. We must literally look at Jesus in embodied ways in order to know how being loved in community brings shame to its knees and lifts us up into acts of goodness and beauty. See, what does it look like to to look into the eyes of a God who says, you know what, you thought your grip was so tight on me, but my grip is way tighter on you. How does that change us? Hebrews 13, five through six says, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you, forsake you. Here's the gospel today. As we think about when Paul says, not a hair of your head will be lost. Who does that remind you of? See, back in Luke 21, remember the author of Acts is Luke. (laughs) Luke says this, In Luke 21, the words of Jesus, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. The words of Jesus connected to what Paul is saying on this ship. And friends, when you see that Jesus is the one who weathered the storm that you and I could have never navigated or gone through, that when you look and you say, man, if, if it were not for God, like if, if, if the storm I had to endure were on my own, I would have been lost at sea. 
See, look to the one who faced the storm we could have never faced, the storm of God's righteous judgment on our sin, the things that I deserved, the shame, the regrets, the decisions that I've made, and where he, is sw- he was swallowed up so that we could be saved. He was swallowed up in the storm so that we could be saved. Friends, will you look to him for the strength to endure? I encourage you to look to Jesus because he's navigated this storm in a way that you and I could have never done. And that's the gospel today. That's the good news. That you have, like Hebrews chapter 11 says, the archagos, the the captain of the ship. It's Christ. Look to him. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you today asking that you give us your strength to navigate the storms of life that we're going through. Lord, that some of us today, we just need to take a walk by the beach and see that you are the one who created it. For some of us today, we just need to to eat a meal and just say, wow, look at what you've done, God. Thank you for giving me another meal today. Today, we need to look at the roof over our head and say, look at, you've provided. I know there's a lot that I'm going through, but look at what you provided, Lord. You've given me the shelter that I need because ultimately, the only refuge that we can truly find is when we take refuge in you. And so we look to you today, Lord. Thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.